0: A man that Shannon Davis once called a badass. A Valvoline product salesman. Motor coach tuner. And uh, one of the founders of Epic Swag.
1: <laughs> Mark Martin. If you could describe this dinner with racers in one word, what would it be?
0: Fattening. <laughs> yes. Who had four teeny slices of pizza,
2: and that's fattening for he you? also
1: got up at 6 a.m. to work out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I'll bet, that, I'll bet that's probably 1,000 calories, though. Shut you up. are not going to do well <laughs> on this road trip. <laughs>
1: And now for dinner with racers, presented by Continental Tire. With your hosts, Ryan Eversley and Sean Heckman.
0: Placeholder Radio Town. Welcome to another edition of Dinner with Racers, the special 2020 edition. I'm Sean Heckman. I'm Ryan Eversley. And we had a very narrow window to get a bunch of podcasts and TV shows and you name it in. And so we did the best that we could uh, during the month of June, sort of as we started to understand the good and the bad of the current crisis and before the racing season really started. So we were able to make a 15,000 mile journey all the way across the country working on some TV shows, but also recording some traditional sit-down podcasts, which you, the listener, hopefully love and especially thank our sponsors for. But since we were on this road trip and we wanted to treat ourselves to really seeing the country, there's one guest that we have wanted to meet up with, I mean, really since day one, but ever since we originally made contact a couple of years ago uh, and he's been nothing but responsive and receptive. We just couldn't get out to Big Fork, Montana to make work. Uh, Ryan, who am I talking about? <laughs>
1: Uh, That'd be one of our biggest heroes and easily one of our biggest guests,
0: Mr. Mark Martin. Mark Martin. Mark Martin. Like, he's Mark Martin. Here's the thing about Mark Martin, if you want a quick background. He's Mark Martin. So here's some of the things that you're going to hear about with Mark Martin. Mark Martin stuff. (laughs) Uh, One of the things that I've always loved about this
1: guy, since I realized it, was that he and I both share a... Major love for trap music, for dirty South hip hop, for crappy, as I put it, crappy rap music. Because listen, they're not changing the world with this stuff, but it's amazing. You bob your head to it. And Mark Martin, when we walked into his shop while he was cleaning his RV, he was blasting Jeezy. And Sean goes, Well, I guess that's real. And he turns to Sean and he goes, Oh, it's real. Yep.
0: Yeah, and just we were like, to clarify, Sometimes people will be like, I like rap music because it seems a little bit fish out of watery for some people, and not in Mark Martin's case. Like, and you will hear this in the episode, when he starts getting into some of like, when he even says Gucci Mane's name, the right way. You're right. Like it was like, oh wow, this is real. It is 100% real. Mark Martin
1: definitely made it worth our while because we drove to Montana for this
0: episode. Specifically for Mark Martin, just to be clear. Our last recording of anything TV or podcast was in California. Our next obligation was Wisconsin. Yeah.
1: And we went to Montana for your podcast.
0: Buy tires, please. So out there in Big Fork, Montana, we uh, we went to Mark Martin's shop. (laughs) Um, We'll just call it a shop. And we ate Rose's pizza. But more importantly, Mark Martin. So in his shop, we had roast pizza. Ryan had pizza. I had, let's just call it a chicken sandwich and get on with it. So we could not have done this without, uh, well, I can think of two sponsors, of course. Continental, right, Ryan? Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Continental uh, has been our sponsor from day one. Of course, we have some sponsorship from Acura, who uh, not only employ you, but also provided a lovely, lovely MDX A-Spec. Sure. Sure. Yep. Um, And yeah, I'm pretty sure that's it. Yeah, I can't think of anybody else that was a part of that episode. Yeah. Who else would sponsor the Mark Martin podcast? Oh, man.
1: man. He was a Winn-Dixie guy for a minute, but we didn't get Winn-Dixie. Yeah.
0: Um, now, and he was, I mean, when it comes to Mark Martin as a character, I would definitely call him an original.
1: Yeah. Absolutely one of the first to do something like that.
0: Um, but yeah, Continental. Again, Continental. Continental. Continental gave us. Accurate, got us there. It, got us something. We had four tires. Mark Martin was an original, eh, I can't think of any other sponsors that that might want to tie themselves to a Mark Martin podcast. Yeah. Well,
1: enjoy this Mark Martin podcast that's definitely only sponsored by Acura and Continental Tire.
0: Meow. All right, we're
1: going to start in five, four. (laughs) Oh, Valvoline. Oh oh. my goodness. Oh my goodness. (laughs) I just did a Google image search. I was like, Mark Martin sponsor question mark. And huh. it, was, it was a lot of Valvoline. Like a lot. A lot of Valvoline, huh? Like The a, original motor oil, Valvoline. Like a
0: lot of Valvoline. Like we're bad at huh. our jobs, Valvoline. Yeah. Three, two. Normally, we're sitting in a restaurant and like the whole like opening sound is like the person sitting down and like learning <laughs> yeah, what the hell's going on. That's not the case. So we need you to take your headset off and put yeah, it back on. Yeah, act like we just walked in. No, no you yeah. don't actually have to do it. <laughs> oh, okay. Like, I don't know about you two yet. So... We were very excited because, I mean, we, our last thing was scheduled to be in Oregon. And we're like, well, if we're, we've been trying to get you for a few years now. Yeah. And uh, so we're like, okay, well, if we're kind of in the Northwest, uh, maybe we can find our way out. And you said you were in Montana. I'm like, yeah, we'll, we'll detour for a couple of days. So, and here we are in, in uh, Big Fork, Montana, Yeah, in basically your storage shed. My shop. My shop. Your shop. Your shop. Excuse me. Well,
1: but to set the scene, if you're a race fan and you hear your shop, they're expecting to be like a bunch of late models or something in here. This is your shop for your bus. It is uh, in my tools. Yeah, (laughs) and and everything I've looked up about you, the bus is the new obsession,
2: like that keeps you going. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I had to refer back to who I was. Before big-time racing, mm-hmm. before NASCAR. Yeah. Really who I was before I started racing. But the first, uh, you know, 15 years I raced, well, the first 10 for sure. I mean, the first 10 years I raced, I hands-on built the car. Uh, I did all the setups. I hung the bodies. Um, and I was... Yeah, I didn't work on the engines. I mean, I'd adjust the valves or put valve springs on as far as I would go. I didn't touch the transmission other than bolt in or out or change gears. That's, you know, I never built a in. I was all about speed handling, which was body and chassis. And I was cycle. <laughs> and you can show me a picture of 1979 at a racetrack. In 79 and I can tell you the setup yeah. springs <laughs> shocks, sway bar weight distribution, tire stagger yeah what tires what compound tires are, are on it you know I mean, all that stuff so I'm psycho I've got problems <laughs> and that is me and rather than you know uh, run from it I embrace it yeah. that's who I am yeah. so when I stopped racing I had to reach back and find that, that person. And that person, you know, wants to have, has to obsess about (laughs) about something. So
0: you're, you're, most people, they retire. They're like, I'm going to do absolutely nothing. And you're like, no, I need to go back to when I was fully OCD with
2: nothing. Oh no, I got to go. (laughs) I have got to go. Right. I got to go hard. So, so, um, the motor coach is really perfect for me Mm -hmm. because there's the, the electronics that are in it are manageable. And it's a lot mechanical. You know, I can't work on a car. I can't even change the oil in a car, you know. All that electronic stuff, you know. And so uh, this is still old school enough that the coach is still old school enough that I can do all the maintenance. You know, I mean, you know I've, I, I've been psycho. I mean, <laughs> my one my coach before this one, I had the front shocks revalved four times. <laughs> Four times. Four times to revalve the front shocks.
0: (laughs) Do you remember all the settings?
2: Uh, No, I I sent sent them to King and had them do it. And finally, I gave up and went back to the uh, the stock ones. Which (laughs) the stock ones are (laughs) even better. the, The stock ones are better than anything. Everything that I did made it ride rougher
0: (laughs) so it's almost like the people who design thousands of these know what they're doing
2: well you know this this (laughs) this this new has uh electronic adjustable shocks so it's got a sport mode and a comfort mode and so what i was trying to do was control body uh you know body uh, motion body roll yeah and (laughs) so on an rv finally i gave up on that and i went back to the stock shocks, and had them make me two-inch front and rear sway bars. Of course you did. <laughs> <laughs> of course you did, yeah. Are we running a coil bind on this thing? <laughs> what <are we>? Yeah, <laughs> the bump stops? <laughs> so, yeah, so anyway, and and that's not the end of it, too. <laughs> i you know, sure. They don't have enough power either because, you know, they're go. heavy. And so 600 horsepower uh, and 1,950 foot-pounds of torque is not enough to get up the mountains. Right. It does fine on flat ground, but the mountains are tr- trouble, so... I went, uh, I went and had twin turbos put on it. I been on the dyno uh, <laughs> twice, chassis dyno twice. You put this on <laughs> chassis dyno? Uh, twice. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah. We're
1: learning something already. And, again, like Sean said RV, and you called it a motor. This is a bus to me. Yeah. To, like, the average person, I think bus is the right word. So I want, if you're listening, to imagine. So this is a Newell.
2: It's a Newell, okay. and so it is a, a true bus is a Prevost okay. a Prevost conversion okay. because it is a bus. That's a Greyhound bus that I they see. you know yeah. uh, whatever. Uh, Newell is built from the ground up. Okay. It, it a lot of people call them buses, mm-hmm. but it's a purpose-built motor coach. Okay, um, so and, I can see you're already going a little psycho on me right now.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah, like I need you to know. Yeah. Like yeah. yeah. <laughs> These aren't just semantics, Ryan. You know, we'll,
2: <laughs> we'll move on from the motor coach, but if you ask me any questions, I got to tell you. Yeah,
0: no, that's part of this. There are no shortage of interviews with you about NASCAR this and, you know, right. yeah, yeah, over right. here and there. We're about road racing or we're about this, like we're about <laughs> yeah. the crazy stories people. that like,
1: make
2: people laugh yeah. that they wouldn't know about you otherwise. Yeah. 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 Well, like, the road racing stuff is kind of interesting because uh, you know, I had some success at Watkins Glen. We know them, um, and and you know there's. See there again. It's about a it's about a car. There was a car built, um, you know that that Steve Meal and Robin uh, took a car and uh, we're going to lighten this thing up. So they cut all the bars out of it. Not all the bars, but a lot of the structural tubing out of it, of the car in in areas that weren't the cage. And that car, you couldn't shut the hood when it was on jack stands. You know, if you jacked it up, the hood wouldn't fit. Okay, you're running close. Car. Yeah, it's it so flex- flexible. <laughs> flexible, but yeah. So that car was—it uh, was ignorant fast. I mean, just, <laughs> just could heard- do no. I'm wrong. Gonna, now I need to
0: stop you. Yeah, I've, I've yeah. heard the phrase "stupid fast" before. Yeah. It was well, fast.
2: Ignorant's worse than stupid, isn't it?
0: <laughs> That's a great quote. There's our poster. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> what was this so like? Because this was in the sort of the Roush days when obviously Roush was a you know a team known for road racing were you guys one of the first to really do proper road racing stock cars
2: so jack uh you know he really wanted to help things were quite different and rules were quite different so the way jack helped me because he's so smart is he asked the right questions you know instead of telling me what i needed to do on breaking this that and the other it's like you know how how you break oh it breaks good what happens if you push harder, you know, what, what tire slides, you know, and, mm-hmm. you know, he made me think okay. he would ask questions and make me think he was real smart like that. And he, he didn't tell us what to do. Um, I, he asked the right questions of me and I'm sure he asked the right questions of Stephen Robin as well. But, uh, you know, a NASCAR car is a different animal, you know, from, uh, you know from from those like a GTO yeah Yeah, those GTO cars so uh, he asked the right questions and and, uh, you know I ran really good at at Sears Point Sonoma as well Um, I didn't get uh, fortunate enough to win quite as many races but I should have or could have Um, I passed Kendall and was fixing to check out and as I was going by him he hit me (laughs) because he was leading yeah and, uh, yeah, so, uh, spun me out, spun me out. So that one, <laughs> that, and it, and it gave him a flat. So, <laughs> so it, no it, one so he didn't, Neither one of He's us got, won.
0: What but. I like is you give a look before you say it. Yeah. Like you looked yeah. at me before you're like, he hit me. Is there another <laughs> yeah. word you prefer to
2: use? Uh, there's a lot of things you could say, but I mean, <laughs> he, he got into me. Uh, you know, there, are I could use a lot of different words but anyway <laughs> you know neither one of us won right um yeah. that one and then one other one um i uh i slipped in the carousel leading with earnhardt right behind me and i should have been able to keep him behind me there so we could have won more races so the question has always been wow where'd you learn to road race uh, man it's simple i grew up in arkansas on the back roads and you just as fast as you can go and stay out of the ditch yeah it's the same thing what's different about you know the dirt roads in arkansas you know and curvy and and ditches on both sides and you just go as fast as you can go and stay out of the ditch that's what i did (laughs) so i had a lot of experience road you know road racing but not really in a race car you know
1: right i i think my driving career i stepped up to the level i'm at now when i got comfortable with really understanding oversteer and like how to drift a car in the right way. And you guys that ran ASA back then were sliding all over the place all the time. We went to Slinger a couple of years ago and saw that place. And I was like, Man, no wonder these guys are so good because that place is insane. It is. It's crazy. Yeah. So I, I think that when you see these kids that come over from, from the stock car world and they drive our stuff and they do well, it never surprises me because I'm like their car control skills are fantastic. And I think you'd have to have the same kind of experience.
2: So, yeah, the you know, the basic things... I think that you have to learn about road racing from you know stock car is late make sure you late turn in late turn ins and it's all about the braking. You know it's really late turn ins help but braking it's, it's you know I mean you go out the first time at a road course and you run three or four laps and you come in and you don't do anything in the car and you go back out and you run a second faster you know a second (laughs) you pick up a second where's that at it's all on braking yeah no i didn't it's 75 percent on braking or 80 and part of it's cornering but you know so those once you get those nuances down you know it's it's all about car control yeah then and you guys also run cars
1: that like how much did your asa car have for horsepower back in the day 600 just about 600 yeah. so like more than most of the sports car race cars on the planet do like every gt car on the planet makes around that yeah and this is current 2020 <laughs> you know and what are those cars way back then 2800 right oh, yeah gosh. so like you guys right. are used to very fast accelerating cars <laughs> yeah that don't stop very well so you get in our cars which might not be as peppy and you're like oh this thing stops great yeah you know <laughs> yeah
2: so I, I always think that's pretty funny yeah the brakes are incredible on uh, you know road race cars because they get bigger uh diameter mm-hmm. you know wheels and you can put you know a lot better brake packages on than sure. those 15 inch. Yeah, we'll guess. Uh, yeah, yeah.
0: So we when we were doing our special on Cole Wiki, um, one of the uh, there was an engineer he worked with Jeff Brown who I'm not sure that you know. He made it sound like there was a time during the ASA days where a lot of you guys would go from track to track and kind of dictate who would win to kind of show, share the prize when it was like Cole Wiki. I think it was you, Rusty. And we
2: traveled. Rusty and I did that uh, quite a bit. Um, Yeah, I mean, we pretty much knew it was going to be he and I, you know, it was for the win. I mean, we we were just we ran really good, and uh, I got a great story about uh, 1977, I think it was. It may have been 78. It was 78, and I had uh, I was on a stone tire deal, and so I had all these 19 week. 51s they were uh, compound was 51 but Mm -hmm. they were built in the 19th week of that year and they were special and so once i figured out they were special Otherwise, you had to run the harder compound. Okay. If you didn't have those, you had to run – well, those were quicker yeah. and would, would, wouldn't grain. Okay. So I bought – I started calling every place in the country, and I bought every, every one of them. <laughs> so I took a U-Haul. I took a U-Haul. We, we had our truck, open trailer. Rusty had his truck, truck and open trailer. And then I had a U-Haul box truck yeah. that was full of tires. <laughs> and, so you're just
0: driving around the country. And
2: we went – yeah, we went everywhere, and Rusty won at uh, – at, at, uh, Bearfield speedway uh we won at berlin uh on tires that no yeah. one else could have oh yeah <laughs> um, but we just we went off for two weeks and just raced every every night of the week but yeah. you know w- the incredible thing about then was you what you would do especially if you were a young driver and i'm not sure rusty did it as much as i did because i wanted to get experience fast because mm-hmm. I'm like that. You're a psycho. <laughs> and so <laughs> Wisconsin was the place to go because you could race Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night, yeah, Friday yeah. night, Saturday night, yeah. and twice on Sunday if you wanted to. Or Slinger was Sunday night, but usually there would be a special somewhere. And uh, you could, you know, well, heck, we, we were in Owasso, Michigan on, uh, I think it was a Sunday afternoon. And then- what? <laughs> uh, Owasso, Michigan. and right. Then we, then Just, we went to Toledo and raced that night. Yeah. And there, the well. <laughs> first, the first time to Toledo and everybody said, Oh, you know, joy fair's the guy to beat. You gotta, you know, you, 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 you gotta beat joy fair. Well, we passed joy on the outside <laughs> on the outside to win that night. The first time to, to Toledo. So we had some good times. Rusty and I, uh, really, uh, we came up together mm-hmm. and we raced, every friday and saturday night i've got great stories on rusty uh, rusty's just he, he's a funny funny guy so kenny was probably 12 and we would race every friday night at springfield missouri in 77 and i'd be in there probably we get there early practice and all that stuff well practice would be going on here come here's uh rusty's truck up at the gate so when practice is over, they open the gate mm-hmm. and let him in. And finally, one week, I said, "Rusty, why don't you always get here late?" You know, and he says, "I got to wait for Herman to get out of school, man." <laughs> you know, my like so, kid brother. Yeah, right. so, you know. Um, and then, you know, Larry Phillips was the guy to beat for both of us, and he was really hard to beat. Mm-hmm. But we had better cars. We could make Rusty and I, you know, we made our cars better than Larry did. So we got where we could beat him once in a while. Mm-hmm. One night, uh, Rusty rolled over uh, some new, different kind of Goodyears. Four stickers right before the feature. Four stickers, which I always scuffed my tires mm-hmm. and you know babyed them. And I would, you know, <laughs> he rolls up four stickers, blasts off in the feature. He beats us. I run second. Larry ran third. Rusty won. And uh, turn one was right. I mean, it was a start finish line in turn one, mm-hmm. like right now. Mm-hmm. So he's waving at the crowd as he's taking the checkered flag, and he's, oh, 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 <laughs> turns backwards. <laughs> the deck lid flips up, because yes. he never put a latch on it, so the deck lid flies right. up, and then he backs it up on top of the wall. <laughs> after he won the after race. After the checkered. <laughs> nice. Yeah, so. Nice.
0: Yeah, you look like a hero. It's Chad Knauss logic. Yeah, he got a cracker <laughs> in. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's exactly. hiding something. <laughs> <laughs>
2: No, Rusty. You know, Rusty and I, that, another thing about Rusty and I, and we'll, we'll move on. So we raced, we raced Rusty every, oh, I mean, we raced forever, from 1977 till 2005 when he retired. Mm-hmm. And we never once had a real problem. Huh. I mean, we never had a run-in. And that's short track racing to it, its core. It, it like is. And Rusty, always... and Rusty and I would always share setup. He was just a setup guy just like me.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And if I would go for a few weeks and running terrible, I'd go. Rusty, what do you got? Yeah. And, you know, I wouldn't ask all the time, but if I got in trouble, I would. And, and same to me. I mean, he came you know, in. If, if we were rolling and he wasn't any good, you know, for a few weeks and couldn't figure it out, what he got? And would share set up information. On the, uh, the, you know, we, we had one accident. I, I, I lost control of my car on the inside of him once mm-hmm. and, and wiped him out, and it broke my heart uh, that I did that. Um, And then one time late in his career, we had a deal. He said, I'll go any, you know, we're at Talladega. I'll go with you. You know, I'll go with Mark. This is
1: in the Cup Series. Yeah, Cup Series.
2: I'll go with Mark. You know, wherever, you know, wherever you go, whatever you do, I'm with you. Green flag comes out, you know, green, white checkered or whatever it was. Mm -hmm. He drops me. Oh. (laughs) And I'm like, so pissed. So I get out of the car and I go right up to him. And I look at him and I say, I am so disappointed in you. And he's just like almost cried. Yeah, right. <laughs> he was just right. tore up. We made it this long. That's the parents He thing. Talks, yeah, about exactly. that, talks about that all the time. But, you know, that's, that's right. the extent of it. I am so disappointed well, in you. You yeah. use
0: words like ignorant and disappointed. So it's <laughs> th- like, but that <laughs> th- might, like those stink. I'm not
2: falling for this. <laughs> shit. I, I have a feeling
1: we came into gangster rap when we <laughs> right. walked in here. I'm a huge gangster rap fan myself. There's no way you're this PC. This is yeah. this is podcast Mark Martin. Yeah. I, I know it. Yeah. It's got to be.
0: Yeah, so you didn't <laughs> deny. It. Yeah. No. What I like is there's always a look that comes yeah, with he's it. Like, from, mm. mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know them yet. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know them yet. That's yeah, <laughs> exactly. exactly what it is. <laughs> Not sure what
2: crowd I'm with here. Let's.
0: I'm curious if 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 your claim is real, and I believe that it is. So so you say Toledo, and this was what 78. So,
2: yeah it was probably either 78 or 77 the first time i went there i think it was 77 the first what time. were you running on the right rear um a phone um and at toledo we probably either ran a compound of a 46 <laughs> i don't think a four i think a 42 would have been too hard for okay, that sure I would say i would say it was a 46 compound and a two inches stagger rear stagger with a spool
0: uh what about spring rate
2: so seventy seven, um, it would have been a pair of two fifties, ten fifty in the right front and eight hundred in the left front, fifty five percent left side weight, fifty fifty front to rear, one inch sway bar with five rounds of preload on it, two inches of rear stagger with a spool.
0: Your eyes are closed, you're going through that checklist. Yeah, this uh, is real. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, had to, I had, had to close
1: my eyes. Yeah, he's so, like you ever wanna call me out again, Sean? Yeah. I'll be right here. Yeah, I'm, I'm Mark Martin. Martin. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. So I guess we should go back to the beginning of your career. Um, I was really interested to read a lot about your dad, Julian. And I actually met him and you when I was a kid at Roush Days at Rhode Atlanta. Do you remember those?
2: So, yeah, I do. So my dad, um, man, what a cowboy. I mean, dude, he was uh, – they, they they, broke the mold when they made him. Yeah. He was uh, fearless. He's my hero. Um man. My dad was an amazing
1: guy. Yeah, I think if there was going to be a Mark Martin movie, there would have to be a Julian Martin movie it, it because would, he's yeah. he's just wild man, like you said. Yeah, it yeah, would be
2: it would be a mistake to do a Mark Martin movie. It would be a hit yeah. movie if you did a Julian Martin movie. Yeah. I mean, he was he was insane. I mean, he did no. I, I mean, <laughs> uh, he was you know everything. He partied hard. He ran hard. He no. Uh, there were plenty of parties there were plenty of fights but no one in my lifetime ever stood up to my dad he was so intimidating I mean it's like one time I was probably 11 he said Mark why don't you go down to the you know the trucking company and check the reefers make sure they're all running probably just to get me out of the house loan me out so I jumped on a motorcycle and I head down there and I get a Get pulled over and I get a ticket for no driver's license, and it makes him so mad. When I get back home, it makes him so mad. He makes me get in the car with him, and he goes and he finds a cop and he does a 360 around the cop, (laughs) (laughs) then cusses him out. Yeah, yeah. you know. And then there was, and and then there was another time that I got a ticket, and he made me go with him down to the uh, police station, and he went in, and I'm gonna tell you, I didn't got, I did not get out of the car, and I was so scared. I mean, I was so scared because my dad was bad. I mean, Mm -hmm. he was a bad, I mean, he did all kinds of insane things, man, what a crazy guy.
1: Yeah, I read a quote that you didn't know that rules were necessarily meant to be followed, especially when it came to driving and riding things, because you'd seen your dad, Uh, yeah.
2: Yeah, you're right, it it took me a long time to come to grips with, you know, because he, he believed the rules didn't apply to him. What was his business? Um, he, trucking business, and, um, He ran trucks hard, and he ran hard, and he he was wild, and but he had such a heart. It's so funny because he could be so mean, and he had such a terrible temper, and he could be so mean. But everybody loved him, and I mean he would he loved he always get mad and fire people fired his ass, you know, and then you'd be back there in a couple months, and he'd be there, and I'd be like, what about Don? So I hired him back. You know, he came back for <laughs> it for me. Right. You know, so it's just he was just really. I mean, he had incidents with the FAA. Uh, you know, he flew for the longest time with no pilot's license. Um, you know, flew he flew in the clouds, left Batesville, Arkansas, and flew all the way to Darlington in the clouds with no dr- no license, no just like fully no IFR, right. no nothing. <laughs> Didn't just got down there and then descended? Low enough to get under the clouds to land. I mean, just crazy, crazy stuff. They came. The FAA came one time and and sat down at his desk and put a tape recorder up there and played a tape of him because they take you know and he was like <laughs> drunk. <laughs> is oh, this is on the on the intercom yeah, that they've recorded? The radio. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. he's talking on a radio yeah. with ATC. He's drunker than <laughs> that, you know. Jesus. And he's like, "What?" Yeah. Yeah. I made what it. what? And I don't know, you know. I mean, it's just like did nothing I he never that, it did finally catch up with him, but it took a long time. Yeah. It took a long time. He was in his 50s, probably 50 years old before he ever really had to face uh, you know, law. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> he was a madman.
0: did uh, you know, up and up and till when things went really bad, uh did was, was that cuz he got away with it? Do you think?
2: He just, uh, well, I mean, eventually, um, you know, eventually it's going to catch up with you. Right. Mm-hmm. But he, had just, he just got, it, you know, his nickname was the cat. I mean, he, everybody called him cat because mm-hmm. he had nine lives, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, he <laughs> should have been dead so many times. He went through a spell in the 70s, probably late 70s, after I moved, late 70s, after I moved from there because Christmas was always a bad a tough time for him so he went through a spell where every Christmas he'd turn a Trans Am wreck a Trans Am pretty much turn it over yeah <laughs> two or three years yeah okay. uh, yeah yeah he, d- he didn't learn a lot. I mean he was uh, he was he was a trip he yeah. was he was just there's so many stories about him um uh, but when we went to his funeral I had at least four different people come up to me and say, man, your dad, you know, just, oh, country people, hillbillies, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Your dad meant the world to me. He gave me the money for down payment on my house. Oh, wow. He gave me the money for the down payment on, you know, he gave me the money for the, yeah. I mean, he's just, just, you know, he could be so mean. Yeah. With his temper and everything, but he was such a good guy, just golden heart and, uh. You know, he reminds me – he reminded me a little bit of Tony Stewart. Okay. Because Tony's persona, you know, really most people don't think Tony is Salty. really uh, – Yeah. Yeah. And Tony Stewart is the finest man I know. Yeah. I mean, he is my I, my hero totally. Tony Stewart's an amazing guy. I, I, I love him with all my heart. And he's nicest, caringest, you know, just the coolest dude. Mm-hmm. But, boy <laughs> – <laughs> He's got a temper and he doesn't hold back.
1: Your dad was known to unload the the trucks at JMR and would like work alongside the workers, mm-hmm. but then also has this amazing temper. And I've read the quote that you said, no, no father ever loved a son more than he loved me. No. So was that temper ever put on you? Like when you did something stupid, were you getting the same backlash or were you given a bit of a, well, you're my boy. So I'm going to okay. take care of you.
2: So I was scared to death of, you know, he had a bad temper. Yeah. And I, I didn't, I, I desperately did not want to disappoint him mm-hmm. or my mom. I always, you know, and, and rarely did, rarely did, uh, that I, I just did not want to disappoint. Um, he was, uh, he did get mad at me once. And I was afraid he was going to get me, so I took off running, and he <laughs> tried to kick me, but I was probably twelve. then I yeah. scratched his motorcycle helmet up, i shouldn't have, shouldn't have borrowed it, but I did <laughs> okay, what you, it. Yeah,
0: that, You didn't buy her for no reason would you do
2: uh, Somebody must have been going to ride with me, yeah okay yeah, somebody was you know I had motorcycles from ten to thirteen, and when I was thirteen he had a motorcycle wreck that should have killed him
1: yeah like messed up his fingers yeah messed up his His hand and
2: his knee and all that stuff seriously and they they pronounced him they said he was dead the ambulance you know said we're not in a hurry this guy's dead yeah and uh he survived it and 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 all well that was bad enough and then that same year uh my dad was in the hospital getting surgeries done Mm -hmm. and i hit a car on my because i had a Honda 500 when I was 13 the four cylinder yeah and I hit a car <laughs> in the side in the intersection and uh broke my wrist and had 24 stitches in my leg so I had to go to the same hospital in Little Rock to get surgery on my wrist while he was there <laughs> getting his surgery done. right on. right the Martin boy and man. that kind of they kind of put me out of mm-hmm. off of motorcycles. Mm-hmm. I really still wanted, I wanted to race motocross so bad. Yeah. And <clears throat> they wouldn't much let me ride motorcycles after that. So the next summer, we went to the dirt track with the late model dirt cars and hung out there. And the last night of the races, that next year that I was 14, I looked up at him and I said, let's build me one of these for next year. And we did. And that was how it all started. Just a uh, '55 Chevy that was off in the woods, and pulled it, pulled it out, gutted it out, yeah. welded up a roll cage in it out of uh, water pipe, and <laughs> we sent the motor that uh, was a six-cylinder 230. You ran a 235 six-cylinder with a one-barrel carburetor in the six-cylinder class. We sent the motor to Lonati Cams in Memphis, Ten- Tennessee. Joe Lonati. And they built a moat, you know, built it up, and charged fifteen hundred bucks. Everything else was nothing. Yeah, right. That was a lot of money. Sure. And we went out for the first night of practice. and ran about four or five laps and put a rod through the <laughs> through the block. I can imagine your dad was happy about that. Well, yeah, that was not good. <laughs> I don't think that ended our relationship with Lenati, but we didn't go back to them. We we hooked up with a guy that was winning all the races. Yeah. And he had a old wore out backup engine and we borrowed it from them and over the course of the next month or so they built us okay. an engine okay. like okay. them and his name was Wayne Brooks he still races today oh, that's cool so we ran that 600 class for two years and then we built a late model moved up to late model dirt and my dad went to Lunati and had him build a 496 big block uh you know, so this thing was thirty two hundred pounds, all nose weight. Yeah. Terrible pig. No driver no uh power steering, sure of course. Yeah. And I couldn't I just couldn't keep up with the steering in mm-hmm. it. And I ran two weeks and just I couldn't keep up with it. I just couldn't it was just I could not have the front wheels pointed where they need to be pointed all yeah. the time. So we went to the junkyard and got us power steering off a car. <laughs> you know mocked it up and jerry rigged it up and put power steering on it and proceeded to win us some races that year yeah
0: so. nice now were you always kind of a smaller kid
2: yeah i was 110 pounds right then oh wow yeah, yeah. Okay. i weigh about 125 now so <laughs> i i I've, I've, I've put on i put on a little muscle since then yeah <laughs> i was pretty <laughs> skinny um uh, and then the next year we went asphalt racing and the next year i decided i wanted to ford cube van with a force of course a 460 in it and a real heavy trailer that we had it was open trailer but we built a real heavy with a lot of spare parts and tools Mm -hmm. in it and we blew three engines up in the tow truck in the van yes yeah (laughs) going from batesville to indiana to race asa and back we, we ran for the championship that year out of batesville and so. so when you tell us that you put twin turbos on this
1: bus next sorry Newell next to us. Yeah. we (laughs) (laughs) It's not surprising that you blew up the the motorhome to me because I'm sure it wasn't just a stock motor.
2: (laughs) See, look. He's like sheepish. That's a yes. "Uh, (laughs) You know. Anyway, we we, we blew. And you know, that was, there were no cell phones. So when you blew it up on the side of the road, you had to walk to somebody's house. Yeah, right. right. And knock on the door. (laughs) A stranger. And ask them, could you borrow their telephone? Yeah. Right. right. It was a bad deal, man.
1: We joke about this now because, like, we hear some of the stories from guys from your era when you're starting out and you literally have to drive across the country somewhere to go get an opportunity. And now, like, a kid won't leave his house without his phone. Right. <laughs> you know exactly. what I mean? And it's like, like, what's the story? It was uh, Smokey Unit gave a yeah, he, uh, Don, Don, Don a truck. And he was like, yeah, if you drive to Detroit, there'll be a guy there waiting on you. Here's a free truck because I like you. And I was like, so you drove to Detroit from Tampa or whatever in the 50s on a whim i'm like i hope this guy answers the door and that, that's how it was that's
2: crazy yeah. i mean it's times were just really different yeah. you know <laughs> the things that you know that went on in my world you know my dad was my hero and i always wanted to be around to watch what they were doing mm-hmm. when i was growing up and then when i was coming up too as well the things you that you can't do that stuff right anymore you, you know life is not like that you can't do that and for for good reason, yeah. I mean, it's like I don't know how in the world you would go across the country without, you know, without a Google Map. Sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I just don't know how we did it. You know, well, you go over here and you turn right at the <laughs> Sit Go and. Yeah. You know, or the Exxon station. I'd
1: say
0: that should be our next challenge, but no.
2: No, I, I don't want to. Zero interest We'd, we'd in miss kind of... like
0: half the interviews.
1: Yeah, so, like, exactly. We were supposed
2: to be there yesterday. <laughs> Heck, if, you're, if your map doesn't talk, <laughs> if it stops talking, <laughs> you miss your turns now. It's like, well, dang, that thing quit
0: talking for some reason. That's <laughs> so good. You, it's said, true. Uh, you said Christmas wasn't
2: exactly your dad's thing. Um, was there a trigger for that? I don't know. I don't know. I think that... He got really sad around Christmas because he messed up our family. You know, my mother and my dad were separated multiple times Mm -hmm. and then divorced, then finally divorced, and he remarried and divorced and then remarried my mother. Oh, wow. And waited till I graduated high school to divorce again. Jeez. you know they, they he kind of held they they kind of held up and waited but the so pizza. i think he just kind of felt you know sad that he had just because he was crazy and he's wild yeah. he, he you know he, and he is a he loved my mother but they couldn't you know, couldn't make it work they couldn't make it work yeah. i mean and i blame most of it on him i uh-huh. mean he was just crazy <laughs> and he was such a good guy but he was just Crazy, yeah. and I, I would think that it would probably be hard to uh, – he would have been hard to live with. Yeah, yeah. And I got yeah. pretty – by the late 70s, I got really put out with, you know, all the things that were going on. And, you know, I won – 78, I won the ASA championship mm-hmm. at, at 19 years old, which at that time was a big deal. Yeah, absolutely. Super young, and I had free – every. you know, now I'm getting free everything. Yeah, right, right. And I just decided to pack up the race car and the truck and trailer and go to Indiana and do it on my own. Right. And that's what I did. At uh, 20 years old, mm-hmm. I, I went to Dylan's and started, you know, he he gave me a shop and rented me a house for 150 a month. And I had two full-time employees. Uh, At 20 years old. Yes. Yeah. And they, I paid them $100 a week. Yeah. Cash each one. And so that was my overhead, overhead was uh, two hundred dollars a mm-hmm. week. Um, and would well, it pay to win an ASA race back then? It would pay, you know, three thousand. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah, yeah it yeah, paid three. Yeah. You know, we raced for some decent money, mm-hmm. and I was on a tire deal and right. it, everything but engines. Sure. And the engines put the hurt on me yeah. pretty hard uh, in seventy, in seventy nine, and in eighty. And then in 81, I got the engine deal right. too. So in 81, it was like no engine bill. And I ran five cup races, five uh, bush races, mm-hmm. one ARCA race, a bunch of ASA races, a bunch of other short track races and stuff. And I had my engine bill was zero dollars. <laughs> yeah.
1: So you're making money. I yeah.
2: was I was making money. Yeah, you're doing all right. I was, I was just putting that
1: money away to go cup racing. Okay. When you left to go to Indiana – and your dad had been basically helping you do all this stuff was he just pissed or like i think he was a little pissed yeah
2: um yeah but you know it wasn't bad we didn't have a falling out Mm -hmm. it was just what it was and he still came to the big races and bill davis worked for him and bill would uh he would come and and with with my dad and Bill would gas the car. Yeah, oh,
1: that's because cool.
2: Because ASA races were pit stop races, right, so right, yeah. the the 300 and 400 lappers especially, mm-hmm. um, they would come to and and Dad was the only guy that I would let do my tires, huh. you know, uh, other than myself. Other than you and, doing them, yeah, right. And so he they would come and help me manage and he would uh, Bill would gas and my dad would do the tires and stuff like that. And so we, you know, we kept a good relationship. The re- relationship got better once I got out of yeah. Things were pretty volatile. Um, and then, you know, it was a few more, uh, a, a few, few years, and then he got straight sober. Uh, finally, you know, quit uh, the alcohol mm-hmm. and all that stuff and um, really got his life straight. Yeah. So that was... Uh, you know, that was really great. And I mean our relationship that yeah. last ten years was just fantastic. And, yeah. Um so he we I lived in, in Daytona Beach at Spruce Creek Fly In. He had a plane. Okay. Uh and he bought a house next to us oh, no way. with That's a cool. hangar as well. Yeah. he would fly down and visit. And so he came down uh the week before Watkins Glen. The yeah. week we had a weekend off, I think, for the Glen. And he comes down and um uh, spends a weekend and his plane's parked outside ready to go home and I walk out the back of my hangar and he's walking toward me and he walks we you know we meet each other mm-hmm. and shakes my hand and says I love you and the following sat- saturday he was gone wow so that was my last yeah you know it's uh, just it's just, just it's perfect if it, if that was going to happen that you know that's my last memory. It was my last contact. So, we had a great relationship. He's my hero. I love him to death. He's just, uh, it would be so much fun if he was still around. Right, right. Because he was, he was a riot. <laughs> he was fun in my wife. You know, Arlene loved him, and Matt just thought he was well. Everybody, yeah, you know, did. But he was so much fun. Yeah, man. When when I was a kid. My friends would be over and my dad would come home and come in and come in the room and talk to us and stuff. And then he'd leave the room and my friends would go, your dad is so cool oh, right. you know, our dads are dads. Yeah. your right. dad's right. just like us live with he's just juvenile you know he's like a <laughs> eight-year-old like kid yes. Yes. you know i mean and he was yeah. yeah i mean he was just just like a kid
0: he'd have taken to the taken advantage of the sport suspension you have on the newell <laughs> yeah
2: you were he running like, sport mode, sport yeah, mode. Yeah, no yeah,
1: doubt yeah. yeah so you're like the fittest guy we know and you're gonna eat pizza with us
2: yeah you got, you uh, that's okay. Little, right? I've got <laughs> already got 16,000 steps in, not counting my leg workout this morning. So, What time did you get up this morning? I got up at about 6.15. I figured you'd be like a 5 a.m. guy. I try to stay in bed. I, I'm, I'm a 5 a.m. wake-up guy. Right. But I lay there until 6.15. And then uh, uh, it, I'm in the gym about a little before 7. Okay. And uh, – I get six days a week in. Yeah, I know,
1: like, I mean, it's pretty documented that you're super fit. Um, But I'm curious at your age now, what are you, like, 64? 61. 61. How hard is it for you to do the six days a week, or are you just so regimented that you can just keep going?
2: I, I don't have any problem at all. I yeah. do. I'm on a push-pull, leg, oh, it's leg, push-pull, leg, mm-hmm. push-pull. So I did legs today, yeah. squats and deadlifts and – Stuff like that, and then tomorrow be uh, push chest and stuff, and then back, uh, you know uh, Wednesday, and then legs again Thursday. So it's uh, you know put you know we do legs twice a week. Mm -hmm. That's my favorite, and uh, I don't have any problem at all with it. I mean none. um, Don't get sore, rarely get sore. You know every once in a while I take a week off. Have to. Yeah right. (laughs) Because of traveling or something or other and if i if I miss a week, then when I come back, I've got to be careful because when you do you know something like push pull mm-hmm. leg push pull leg, you can't get sore on Monday because Thursday you've got to work that group again yeah right and so if you're you don't want to be terrible sore so <laughs> you've gotta kind of know your i I just know my you know I'm you know what you got
0: yeah, I think you've been doing it long enough <laughs> I'm looking at your arms right now and I'm like <laughs> embarrassed for myself like S- <laughs> don't do that mark martin gosh darn it <laughs> yeah like i write gun show over here so it's april to november montana and then basically the winter months
2: then i'll go we'll go to arkansas maybe some some other places mm-hmm. and then january to uh southern cal
0: you're out to my hood and uh kind of you go to indio yeah so it's like if you're going to go anywhere in Southern California, you go to the desert.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. There's no bugs, no mosquitoes. The right, weather's perfect. because they don't want to live there. <laughs> the weather's perfect. Yeah. Right. I the mean, yeah, those it's just incredible. And there is motor coaches at the yin yang. Yeah. In Super high-end. Yeah. High end, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, are two, two really, or really three super high-end uh, RV resorts.
0: Yeah. Have you been out to Thermal?
2: I haven't. Okay. I haven't. I, it's really nice. Yeah, I mean, but it really. <laughs> nah, I'm no, done with racetracks. Well, well, I am. Yeah, right. <laughs> but also, you know, I, I don't know who, to, you know. Well, what, I'd have to do get a hold of the realtor. Out that sells out there and then have to go through all that you know I'm, i don't know anybody i right. <laughs> guess is what i'm saying you know
0: well if you're done with racing there's like because the, you know about mm-hmm. the thermal racetrack yeah yeah like if you're if you're done with racing there's no reason to be out there it's by far of a club track the nicest facility in southern california
2: but there's homes you can yeah. own yeah, yeah you can own
0: like a villa you don't have to um okay. i see but you do have to be a club member and then it's money and all that but if you're if you're if like track days have zero interest to you and then it's not worth it
2: i have no interest in spinning my tires yeah. I mean, I just... <laughs> I got it. You, you got plenty to work with here. Well, people... I'm a really weird guy. <laughs> See, I couldn't play basketball.
0: I just want to point out you're saying that as you eat off of a pelican case.
2: <laughs> yeah, you just seem like a dude. <laughs> so, I couldn't play basketball. Couldn't play football. Wasn't very good at baseball.
0: No, is that because you weren't good or you just weren't very big? I wasn't good. Yeah.
2: But I could drive a race car. And... I got better at it. And I got where I was pretty good at it. And that's why I drove a race car, mm-hmm. because I was good at it. It wasn't because, you know, I had passion for driving and going fast. Mm-hmm. Right? No, I wanted to beat everybody. You are I wanted to win.
1: Same as Andy Lally. Yeah, He exactly. doesn't care about cars, doesn't care about racing. He was just what he was good at competitively, and he wants to compete.
2: That's it. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's kind of where I was at. So... Um, I, so I got better and better and better at it, and then I kind of leveled off, and then I started to taper off, and even though at 53 years old, I ran 24 cup races and sat on six poles, <laughs> I still wasn't, I wasn't racing as good as, huh. I, as I, I knew I could 10 years ago mm-hmm. at 43. I, I you know I I was doing a good job but I wasn't I knew listen what was I, possible I know mm-hmm. and <laughs> so I'm Mark Martin's Yeah I mean Basically, I know you I, would know I, I know yeah. you know I know what I'm doing and I know that I was you know just everything situational awareness every it just just wasn't as sharp and things don't aren't as fast the the connections, you know, the in in all the stuff in your head travels slower, little bit, just a little bit. And it's like, okay, you know, yeah, it's, it's time for me to quit driving. And so I don't drive anymore after I was out of the car for six months or a year. I mean, when I got out of the car, I could go anywhere, anytime, never been there and be switched on immediately, any car any stock car, it didn't matter, okay? When I was out, after I was out of the car for six months or nine months, the switch was off. Dude, I couldn't, how, I can't go do that anymore. Why would I want to do that? Why (laughs) in the world would I want to drive a, oh, just come out and practice. You can drive a car and you can, you know, play. It's like, why? Mm -hmm. Because I'm not as good as I was, you know, as I was at one time. Why in the hell would I want to do that? So
0: you're just reminding yourself that you've tapered off at that point.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's like, I don't do it anymore because I'm not as good as I was. Right. You know, I'm not, I don't meet my standard. Right.
0: And if you're not growing up with some five-year-old, you know, like a a lot of kids when they were seven, eight years old wanted to be race car drivers. And if you didn't grow up with that, then, and the the competition really is what you were seeking. If that's not there, it just doesn't make sense.
2: It's just, you know, so I don't, I, you know, I get motion sick, you know, I just, Want to, uh, I got a friend want to go go-kart race you know, go-kart track. You <laughs> know, I got so damn sick. You know, I just, I don't want to do all that. You know, I, I'm not interested in going to the go-kart track. I'm not interested in going to the track and driving, you know, even a nice race car. I, I don't, I don't drive race cars anymore, right. and people don't get that. but So vintage I'm, racing
0: is out, sim racing uh, is yeah, out. Yeah,
2: vintage racing is out. Like, you know, they yeah. after me all the time, do this vintage racing and all that stuff. It's like why? I'm not any good anymore. <laughs> I don't do that. I don't drive race cars anymore, you know, and I know that's weird, but no. that's me, yeah. and and instead of, you know, for a while it made me feel bad when people pointed out that I was a weirdo, Well. <laughs> Who 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 are yeah. we talking about? But f it, man. <laughs> yeah. I'm, a, I'm you. A, yeah. I'm I'm me, and yeah. I'm gonna be me. Yeah. I'm a weirdo, and I don't <laughs> care. Well, also, and I don't want to speak for Ryan,
0: but I think you'd agree. Nothing you're describing doesn't make sense. Yeah. Exactly. Like, nothing you're saying yeah. to me is weird okay, at all. It. Actually. Yeah. yeah like yeah.
1: If I like I I'll have a bad day now when I'm racing. And I'm like maybe I shouldn't be doing this if I <laughs> if I can't do a good job. You know. Um, who who would call you a weirdo like this has to be come from people you listen to cuz you strike me as somebody that doesn't listen to people that don't matter my wife okay oh, okay yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was like it was, it was Kenny
2: Walsh it was Kenny Walsh right arlene you know she points out to me that i'm not i'm i'm f- way off center from normal <laughs> you know and 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 she's not mm-hmm. very far off okay. center of normal and uh, opposites attract she and i you know, have a lot in common, but we are way different mm-hmm. in a lot of areas as well. And I, I, when we're going to talk about racing, the one thing that a couple of things I miss about racing. One is working with a team is like family. I get that totally. It's family. Yeah. Yep. And the garage is also like family. And even the media, NASCAR media, was like mm-hmm. family, and it was comfortable and and warm, and, and it felt good, especially working with a team, Um and I miss that. But the coolest thing about racing for me is when they got NASCAR, got all those lighted scoreboards, mm-hmm. and when I'd walk out of the garage area at the end of the day and look up and see my car number on top of that board. Yeah, yeah. Or after a win, you know, But but it happened, wins were – you know they don't happen every week, man. My, you know, every a, a lot of practices. That 55 car that Rodney Childers worked on. You know, I'm mm-hmm. 53 years old. We we're top of the board a lot. Yeah. We sit on pole a lot. Yeah, uh, the five car was insane. Every almost every time they opened practice uh, in 2009, we went to the top of the board and we sat on six poles in '09. I think it was as well. So. um and we got some wins too. So but the wins they're cool, but that number on top of the scoreboard happened more often and, yeah. and meant just as much to me. Yeah. Because it was a it was a reminder that dude, you're pretty good at this. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And and part of being good is knowing how to motivate people you know i never ever ever thought i was that great of a driver i had great cars and there was a reason i had great cars for a long time it was my knowledge but later working with alan guffson or jimmy finnig or or rodney childers or whoever it was tony gibson good gracious in 2008 that car would fly that uh number eight car I mean, it was, it was crazy, and that's why, you know, uh, Rick Hendricks calling me every three weeks, hey, why don't you come and drive his five car? It's like, <laughs> I'm not going to run full time, you know. But, you know, those guys believed in me, and I pumped them up, you know. They were charged up. And that car, for some reason, that, that car runs faster when the guys working on it feel this electricity yeah. and are charged I up. Totally. Yep. It, I mean, the yep. performance drops immediately when that goes away. You know, you see it more when it goes away than you do when it's happening. happening. right? Yeah, yeah, when it's happening. I mean, it's crazy. It just, the car just runs. F- <laughs> I don't know how. No, nah,
1: I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So you were you were hot as ASA kid. Mm-hmm. coming out of the 70s and the early 80s. So then you jump in, you're going you're gonna to go cup racing. It's kind of, it's partially your deal, if, that's, if I'm understanding that correctly. So let me tell you how it works. Yeah.
2: The, they had just, NASCAR had just gone to the notchback body, yeah. the downsized body. Yeah. So everybody, we knew that NASCAR was kind of, the competition was a little, they weren't dialed in. So, this was a good time. Right. Kind of level playing S- field. Yeah. yeah. They hadn't Slate's had clean. years of experience with this car. Right. So, I had, you know, I was uh, at Dylan's. you know, we were light years ahead of the competition. And you're what, 22, and, 23? Uh, I was 21. Okay. And we were light years ahead on right. chassis stuff. Right. I mean, it was nuts. And our cars were super light and all these things. From your ASA stuff? From my ASA car. Yeah. So, so I decide that I'll build a car, a cup car, and do five races to preserve my Rookie of the Year status. And, uh, but I want to build it my way. And the NASCAR cars, in my eyes, this may not be how it is, but it's how I see it. NASCAR cars were an evolution of a passenger car.
0: So you thought they were just these m- almost more stock than what you were used to in ASA. Oh, yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah, I
2: mean, you know, they were just heavy slugs. <laughs> heavy, <laughs> and, heavy, heavy, heavy. So,
0: and I'm going to go on a limb and say you're 21 and the sm- smartest guy in the room.
2: I thought I was. Right. Yeah, yeah. So, and so I want to build a car as similar to my ASA car as I can. So we we send a build a snout at Dillon's, and, and I find this wheel Cron- Cronkite down in uh, Fort Mill, South Carolina. Will is not like Banjo Matthews. Banjo wouldn't have done stuff the way I wanted to do it, but Will just like, okay, all this makes sense. Yeah, okay, okay, yeah, that's what you want. Now you're gonna pay me to do, because I didn't know, we didn't know how to put a cage in one, didn't know how to hang the body, you know, we didn't know those things, but I knew the radiator package, oil cooler package, rear and cooler package, so the, all the aluminum, Aluminum hubs, aluminum—you know—a lot of aluminum stuff that they weren't you using. You still know
0: right, your right rear pressures today, so yeah.
2: So, uh, so he puts the car together, and I get—I don't have the money to pay him. Right. So this Bud Reader from Denver, Colorado, wants to be a car owner. Well, not a real car owner, because real car owner buys the motors and and you know pays everybody, you know, and, and buys the tires and stuff. No, Bud's going to supply me a car. Just like Dylan's, I was a house Dylan car guy, so I always had a late model. I had to put it together, but it didn't cost any money. Okay, he didn't put the labor, but all the parts okay. and everything, you know. So, so, it's, so
0: it's Mark Martin's team, but supplied very much by Rader.
2: Exactly. Okay. Okay. So so he he puts the bill for the car, and we'll builds it the way I want it, and we start stacking lead in it before we get ready to go to the racetrack the first time. And I know that most NASCAR cars have 150 pounds of lead in them. And this thing takes 600 <laughs> pounds of lead. <laughs> Whoops. Wow. 60% okay. left side weight. <laughs> right. And 51% <laughs> rear weight. Because we ran 51 rear 52 rear in my late model. I so wanted 60 left okay. and 52 rear. But it was 51 rear. And so, uh, you know, we build this car. We go to the first first race. And... I've never been in the pits of a NASCAR race before, ever, okay. garage area or anything. But you know more than them already. I do. I roll, <laughs> that, roll that thing out on the racetrack, qualify fifth. Yeah. yeah. Right. So you're not so, completely yeah. full of it. So yeah. You got two so, poles that year, right? Yeah. So we go on out in the race, and uh, because I've never had a car with a rear-end cooler, I'm not used to flipping the switch. Uh-huh. And I right. didn't, so burn the gear up. <laughs> but I knew that the car went off its tires. Yeah. It just, it, it went off the tires, and I'm like, I got to figure out, something's wrong, mm-hmm. what am I, you know, what's wrong? So, we go home, and we go to Nashville, and we qualify fifth in Nashville. I'm going to tell you, this is a long story. So, after the race is over, I'm sitting at the pay window, waiting for him to pay off, and this guy comes walking up, and I'm open trailer, I'm sitting on the fa- trailer fender in Cup, and he looks over into my car, and he says... You, ain't, you only got two gauges? I said, Yeah, that's all you need. <laughs> Water temperature, no pressure. God, you ain't got no tack. I said, You don't need one. <laughs> I didn't have a tack. Right. Nothing. Right. We don't do. You know, we, didn't, we didn't put yeah. nothing in these yeah. cars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, I'm talking about they're crazy. Like, so <laughs> is that a budget thing said, or a weight thing? A uh, weight thing. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Look at the smile. See, yeah, the yeah, smile. Very proud so, of so, so <laughs> okay. then he goes. How much lead's in this car? Well, I never thought somebody would ask me, and I knew that it was ridic- so, right. uh, ridiculous. <laughs> like, so Ridiculous. I'm I, I, yeah. I had to lie, right. and I just blurted out 400 pounds, and he went, God, you know.
0: <laughs> right. And I lied they, by 200, and you know he said. still <laughs> fell out. Because they were used to 125. That was kind of the going. 150 pounds. Right. Yeah. It was a good short crack so you at 400. Yeah, you're over double that on yeah. your fake number. Yeah, on my life.
2: <laughs> and and he just about fell out. He goes, God damn. And then he he looks at me because I was like, you know, half smart because he was asking me these questions. You're being a bit of a smart ass, man. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he goes, you don't know who I am, do you? I said, no. He said, J.C. Elder. And I looked at him. I don't. No, who's that? Him? <laughs> Sorry, sir. I don't, and then yeah. he goes, Jake Eller. Oh, I've, uh, I've suitcase heard Jake. of you. Jake was smart. I know he didn't have an education. Yeah. But the dude was paying attention. Yeah yeah that's why his car's hauled ass yeah because he he's some kid he ain't never seen before mm-hmm. come here and qualified fifth he's like and it's that's like something's uh,
1: yeah. Yeah. yeah
2: let me go over here and look at his car yeah. doing and yes. he's yeah. looking at the car and and so anyway so that was that story yeah so then the next story is we go to jake's already paying attention to me the yeah. next race yeah. motor blows up in final practice i'm under the hood helping change the car it's 420 laps at nashville yeah. in the summertime and i didn't know i'd never been there but it gets really hot you know and so I'm under the hood helping change the motor real quick because the race is coming up in an hour yeah and uh Jake comes up and he says now how in the hell are you gonna drive the race car what he said you out here working how in the hell are you gonna drive a car tonight well I didn't have to worry about it, it blew up on the first lap <laughs> so, so he was
1: saying you're gonna be exhausted right but
2: yeah, yeah. well yeah, yeah he was so there's more to this story so I'd already figured out in practice that it's going off the tires. And it's like, I don't know why it's going off the tires. So I take it home and I call Randy Sweet. And Randy Sweet, you know, f- f- it, that guy was one of the cr- smartest people on earth, mm-hmm. but he was nuts. <laughs> I mean, he was totally, yeah. you know, one of those smart people, but just don't know sense. I mean, he was crazy. Yeah, yeah. He was crazy like my dad. <laughs> Crazy. I was say, sounds like sounds like my dad. <laughs> so I call Randy. I said, Randy, coming, got to come down here to the shop. We got to redo this front geometry, and there's, there's something wrong. We got to, you know, we got to redo this geometry. So he comes down. We cut the upper A frames off of it, jack it around a little bit, redo the bump steer, and do, you know, do some things, do some different upper A frames, and we go back for this next race at Nashville. We sit on the pole. Third race out and it was it was crazy so in an asa car what you did is if you were fast you'd go out for practice you run three four laps if you're faster than everybody you you just park it put it on jack stands so i went out and i ran three laps two three tenths faster than the next guy fastest car
0: yeah
2: put it on jack stands
0: (laughs) so Because everyone's just going to stay
2: there on the yeah, pace. Right. I mean, yeah, you yeah, know, I got it, I got we got them covered. You're 21, yeah, we, you know we, everything. We, we got them uh-huh. covered this week.
0: This is it <laughs> in Cup, right? And so, because <laughs> as not a race fan, you weren't necessarily following Cup prior to this, right? Uh, uh-uh. no. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, I knew who won. <laughs> sure, but uh, but that's you're not sitting. It. there. I mean, it, the yeah. coverage wasn't like it is today no. anyway. But yeah. it's not like you you so, know how practice went.
2: So I'm getting ready to start a race. I'm strapped in the car, Dale Emden walks up to the car. Puts his elbows on the window and looks down in the floorboard and looks at me. And he says, got a hole in that floorboard? I said, no, why? Because you're going to melt and run out of it tonight. <laughs> I, I didn't say a word. Did you know who
1: Dale Inman was at this point? I did. Okay, so that's like, I oh, did. God. But
2: I thought, I'm going to fix and show y'all something. <laughs> <laughs> so they, they threw the green flag, poof, 40 laps, I'm out front. Then I come on the radio and I was like, feels like I got four flat tires and so I led the first 40 laps, and by lap 100, I'm a lap down. I'm lapped, and we're not used to never getting no cautions. 140 laps come, we have to pit under the green, and I've got a picture of me with the. They're changing the right-side tires, mm-hmm. and I look like Rudolph's nose. <laughs> <Right>. My face <laughs> is cherry red, yeah. and I am on freaking fire. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> so I, I go back to Indiana. Uh, we finish 11th.
3: That's it's horrible. It's not but it, right. it
2: just went off its tires, something pitiful. Yeah, sure. So our next race is uh, we're, we're, we're going to Martinsville, and I'm like, okay, i got to do something about this getting hot. I've got free – uh GM single piston brakes on this car. Uh, everybody's got these big, massive Hearst Earhart brakes and I'm gonna run these free brakes. So I gotta cool these brakes. So I'm gonna put a big igloo cooler on the right side of the car for the race and put it fill it up with ice water. We got plenty and I of got weight got my to spare. windshield washer squirters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was okay. gonna squirt both front brake rotors yeah. and one down my back. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> squirt squirt, squirt yep. you know flip switch <laughs> <laughs> well And and who is the crazy person again? So, so, so it's just like they do today, by the way. So I was going to do that, but I also had to figure out why I'm going off these tires. Mm -hmm. So I found out, you know, Junior Johnson, Daryl Waltrip had the best short track car Mm -hmm. going, lightest, best, winning everything, everything. Well, somewhere they had been on four grain scales at a racetrack instead of a platform scale. And I got the wheel weight numbers. From the car. It was 55 left and 51 front. Cool. Well, I got the qualifying thing perfect. So I put me a fake battery box on the right front, qualified with my 60 left and, and 51% rear, qualified sixth. And then I took all the lead out of the left rear and put it in the right front and made it 55. Now we're doing it. Yeah. yeah. that's That rear weight was the problem. <laughs> so we led. Uh, midways of the race we led 40 laps of that race and Mm -hmm. we ran third um you know with our little asa pit crew and everything with the same you know nobody from nascar helping us or anything that was your last race of that year right well actually we had gone uh it was but we had i get martinsville and richmond mixed up um so we go to richmond the other the fifth one and um and we sit on the pole and then i move my lead Because, you know, and this really, we've got it. We're getting, we've got a shot. I mean, we've got a shot. Because this, well, gentlemen, start your engine. It won't crank. won't start, won't start, won't start. They all go out on the racetrack. They pull my hood up, take the breather off. Somebody, I'm not going to name names, had put a rag in the carburetor and then put the air cleaner on. And so they threw the green flag about the time I got started. And I pulled out on the racetrack at Dead last one lap down yeah, of the 400-lap race, and I finished seventh one lap down. Nice. Yeah, I mean, we raced hard. I yeah. mean, so it looked like this was going to be easy. Yeah, yeah. And so I ventured off. I moved to Charlotte mm-hmm. with my own team and tried to go full-time. Yeah. There's a big difference between full-time and five races. Sure. Yeah. With a month in between each yeah. race yeah, and all that yeah. stuff. Yeah. And uh, I went broke immediately sponsor didn't pay you know, my crew chief, the first race at Daytona got drunk, stayed out all night, didn't show up in the morning and Daytona, you know, it was just like it just was a nightmare from start to finish. So long story short, I, w- I would not give up and I was gonna race and win the Rookie of the Year and uh, anyway and Jeff Bodine beat me anyway and won Rookie of the Year and uh, I had to have an auction after the season was over and sell everything I owned, pay off all the because your debt was so bad. Pay off the debt, yeah. yeah. And I had to go back, <laughs> move back to Wisconsin, and start, you know, late model racing all over again. Just earn but a living. The right. first place I went was Dylan, the yeah. free cars. I helped him design the car that everybody, everybody in the nation had to buy. Uh-huh. They had to. It was yeah. so far ahead. Yeah. And he said, "Mark, the days of free cars are over," and. It was hard yeah. for me to get back on my feet and struggle back to, uh, that was 84, the season, the first season, and by 86, I finally won the championship, ASA championship again, and then got a chance to go uh, bush racing the next year, and we won uh, we won Dover in May, and then two weeks later, we won at uh, Orange County, and phone started ringing. For a cup opportunity, so it was hard. It was a hard road, but I wouldn't be the same person I am today if I hadn't. A, if just kept going, if yep. I hadn't failed, yeah. One other story about that 1981 year when all the races were over with. That shop I was working in was a pole barn, <laughs> and was there a, was a what? A, a pole, pole barn. barn. I don't so, know what that is. Well, it's a wooden posts that hold up. The, okay. the 10 and God, on it was yeah, a yeah. slimline rotary phone mm-hmm. hanging on one yeah, of the okay. yeah phone ring i'm in the shop answer it. mark white l wilson huh huh like to see if you'd be interested in driving a 28 car no i'd rather do my own deal really <laughs> well you're invincible at this point <laughs> my cars were yeah. way better yeah yeah Okay, I'd have gone down there and and my biggest fear trickle kept telling me and all these guys from up north tried to go down there and race and had to run these antiquated antique race cars Mm -hmm. that didn't run good and they messed up, you know, they couldn't do it. And I was afraid I'd go down there and they wouldn't let me tell them how to build those cars. If if I would have gone down there and met with them and said, look, I have to be able to work in the shop. And I have to have input on these cars, but I have to have your input too, because I need to know what will last and what won't last and what will work and what can be lighter and what won't work and all these things. But if I would have drove the 28 car, you know, in 82 and 83, they won pole and the Daytona Daytona 500. You know what I'm saying? Not saying I could have done what Kale could do. I, I, I probably wasn't ready for that, but, but. I really probably wasn't ready uh-huh. for Daytona. Um, I like to would like to blame it on the cars, but right. it's really hard to drive those cars back then at Daytona because you're talking about a 190, 200 mile an hour drift, yeah. and yeah. it's a different drift than a yeah. 90 mile an hour that, drift. Yeah, yeah, right, right. And <laughs> uh, you know, so it, it, but I, if I had gone down there and took that 28 thing and it would have all worked out and I never fell on my ass. I would be a prick today, think so. Yeah. Yeah, I did. yeah yeah I wouldn't be this I wouldn't be the guy I am today.
0: It, it sounds a lot like almost like whole in the sense that you were a good driver, but it sounds like your opinion of yourself was also that you knew mechanically how to do more than others. And so maybe if you were stuck running what somebody else would run, you would just be like anybody else.
2: That's what I thought, yeah I mean, and and trickle told me that, and you know, trickle I looked up to a lot, and the horror story was you know those cars and we knew cars our cars were purpose built and their cars i'm telling you were evolution from a street car and so alan successfully did a little later what i tried to do a little you know too soon
0: what i love is that now we're they're spending millions on trying to steal data from each other and hacking websites and things like that and all you needed was a grain scale yeah. Which is something where you could see it up on a wall rather than on the floor to see what the weight was.
2: You know, the weirdest thing, this is a story, you know, for anybody who's weighed their cars on grain scales. <laughs> we we call,
0: just, for, for those from, let's call it California, um, a grain scale, Mark Martin, is when you can see the weight being kind of dragged down and it's up on the, on the, on the wall, right? Well, or on a pole.
2: It's a, the kind of scale I'm talking about is goes under one tire. Yeah. And it has these things that we called P's. Yep. 100, 200, 300, Yeah. Well, they would only hold 10 P's. So it'd only go to 1,099 pounds. Okay. Well, it wouldn't, the left rear wouldn't weigh on my car when, when I had it wedged up because yeah. we ran a lot of cross weight, 60%. Yeah. So that thing with 51% rear, that cup car with all that weight. It, it, if 60% left, 51 rear, and 60 cross, it wouldn't, it was 1100 and something. I couldn't even weigh it. So one year I went to Golden Sands Speedway in Wisconsin, and this was before that, this was 77, my first time there. I was a young kid, 18 years old, and so I'll practice all afternoon. I get all dialed in and trickle in there yet. Qualifying, I go out there and sit, set fast time, break the track record. Everything's good. About time I'm done qualifying, I'm standing around. Uh, it's Trickles truck comes in, it's open tr- mm-hmm. truck, yeah. and the car's idling. <laughs> on the rig, on the oh, rig, strapped <laughs> yeah. on the truck. They're at the pit gate getting their pit passes. Yeah, yeah. And it's and you know qualifying's over, yeah. no, almost over. Yeah. And they pull in there and they all jump out, ramp truck it down on the ground. And he gets in there, and goes out there, and brr, brr, breaks the tracker. And then he comes over <laughs> and he tears <laughs> my ass up. He says, "You only break that a little bit." <laughs> Every time. Because it paid a $100 to break the track record. Oh. oh you don't okay. break it
4: like you did
2: it. <laughs> that's amazing. But he had plenty in the bank because, yeah, you know, he right. went out and beat me. Yeah, you know? yeah. He's, 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 you don't break. don't make a, it so
1: hard so we can keep doing yeah, this. Yeah. Trying to get paid.
2: That way we get it every week. Get that 100 every week. You <laughs> I know? love that. I love that
1: oh, so much. Good times. We
0: would prize money to be something best. again.
1: Um, are you okay talking about the drinking stuff? Yeah. So... I don't know the timeline exactly on the drinking stuff, but I'm wondering if it's when you went cup racing, did pretty good, showed that you knew how to drive, you knew how to think. You had guys like Dale Inman and Suitcase Jake giving you props, even though they were kind of giving you a hard time. But that's still a sign of respect by coming over and going, okay, you're good enough for me to talk to you. Mm -hmm. Then you go back to Wisconsin with your tail between your legs, and you have to fight to get your back together. Is that when the drinking starts happening?
2: It gets worse. Yeah. You know, when I first started – going to Wisconsin and racing with trickle you know after the races they always stood around and drank Mm -hmm. beer I would hold a beer sip on it it'd get hot you know I couldn't drink I couldn't drink it yeah and my dad had you know had alcohol problems I wasn't scared about that but I just wasn't interested in it Mm -hmm. you know and, you know, through the years, I get better at it, better at it. <laughs> right, right. A lot of practicing at the racetrack. Yeah, yeah. I, I get pretty good at it. <laughs> and then, so it, it progresses from, you know, 70, 78, you know, going forward. It, it's kind of a progression, mm-hmm. social social thing. It's yeah. what all the racers do. Um, even the cup guys, you know, would we'll go to the bar after. Qualifying or yeah. whatever in in the evenings, whatever. A lot of them would. It's kind of what you did back then, and I just got better at it. But what it took a turn. I was very bitter. Yeah. yeah. And I was, I was bitter. I was angry after that
0: after that cup season.
2: Yeah, because you had yeah.
0: never failed. I'd never like failed. You probably didn't know you could. I'd never well, failed. Push.
1: You got poles and you, yeah, you finished third.
0: Yeah.
2: Like, yeah third and seventh no, it's, it's, you know, it's we, that
0: thing that every sort of kid that's 22 or 23 just getting out of college equivalent kind of deal where all of a sudden it's like oh there's a real world here and it's far more competitive than I
2: realized yeah it 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 really did a number on me and I and so yeah it started getting worse and worse because I I wasn't happy you know I, I was I wasn't happy it was hard life was really hard for me right um
0: and you had to sell off everything you had. Yeah. To I had, I,
2: you know, I didn't have anything to go racing with. Right. And a lot of my free deals had dried up.
0: And Is that because you were – people give free stuff to the, the kid that's on his way up. Mm. You get the cup. Maybe it's over now. Is this why a free deal started going away?
2: I'm not sure why they went away. Okay. I mean, I don't know. I don't, can't speak for Dylan, but Dylan should have never – he should have never – you know, I mean, he should have said, sure, Mark, you know, come get your car. Uh, that's all I got to say about that. And I love Dylan, but, you know, I had to get a car I to find somebody with a t- truck and a trailer and race car and all that stuff. And it was just, you know, yeah. So it progressed. And what happened was, you know, when I got the opportunity with Jack, he told me, he says, I know about you drinking. I don't have that. And it's like, that's cool. You know, I want this. I want it bad. And so I'm going to keep it under control.
1: Okay. So you still drank, but you were going
2: to. I was going to keep it under control. Okay. And the problem is, and a lot of people have this problem, and, it's, and a lot of people don't. But the problem with me, was, you know, is five times, everything go off smoothly. Yeah. And that sixth time, man, I don't know. Well, that pin comes out of the grenade. Yeah you know what I'm saying?
0: Well, but it sounds like you came from an addict family and yeah. that's, that's an addict behavior. right Exactly. There. Exactly.
2: Yeah. So. And it just, you know, I, you know, after trying to keep it, you know, in check and under control, I faced the fact that it was, that I couldn't and I couldn't control it. And that I had two choices, destroy my life, let it destroy my life. It was my dad had let it destroy his and in you know many ways um but my career was you know let it destroy my career too you know in family in my family and everything you know i just i just had to quit man and uh 19 new year's day 1989 that was it you know today is the first day of Never taking another sip. New Year's Day, 1989, and and uh, I I got really into my weightlifting, and started eating better, and changed my friends, and I went to the gym at 5:30 a.m. And you can't go. Hungover, yeah, right. And if you yeah. go to the gym at five thirty a.m. and you go hard all day, you're probably going to bed at nine yeah, absolutely. p.m. Absolutely, yeah. And that keeps you out of trouble. Yeah. And you can't go to the bars, even and hang out. Yeah. And not drink. Yeah. So you change your friend. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it was a big change,
3: mm-hmm.
2: and it it worked for me. I you know I wanted it. Mm-hmm. I wanted to succeed that bad, and I had at my fingertips. Yeah,
1: it was an amazing it, uh, opportunity. I, 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 I,
2: I hadn't won a race yet, Yeah, but I had something that I could probably work on and win in.
0: Prior to New Year's Eve, was there a – I mean, Jack put that ultimate question on you, but was there a rock-bottom
2: moment? Not really. Uh, just just the – Just knowing. Just the pin fell out. Yeah. You know, the pin fell out too many times, and it's yeah. like – it's just – I can't, you know, I, I, I tried controlling it and that's not gonna work and it's time to move on. And, and uh, you know, my family, uh, my career, both depended on me moving on from it. And, you know, I got married in, in 84, right at the bottom, belly bottom of my career. And Arlene had four beautiful little girls. And uh, I love my family and they had came on board at the hardest time of my life and we were I had you know a real promise of something and I just couldn't blow it a promise of a great life great family and a great career was right there at my fingertips and I just couldn't let um I could yeah, yeah, I, could, yeah I had a choice to make that's right with Arlene and her girls
0: um do you think any of your dad's uh, kind of past played a role in that for you
2: as far as as far as like
0: he you know he he'd been divorced several times and it sounded like he he had his ups and downs as a dad um and it almost sounds like you didn't want to do that to Arlene's girls
2: you know I I just wanted to be I wanted to have a good family I, I guess I didn't think about my dad's family failures but I could have because there was good examples of that Uh, but but that really wasn't on my mind what was on my mind was that you know I'm going to screw this deal up with Arlene and with Jack Jack. both and leave me with you know instead of on the up yeah, 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 and that's lead you're not going to get a third chance. Leave me at the at yeah. the bottom, and and yeah, right. now, most people don't get a second chance. Yeah, right. Um, and I did, and so I just wasn't going to blow it. Now, if I have my timeline right, this was '89. You went fully sober.
0: Yeah. Um, so there was a year where you were trying to make it work. Yeah. And but there weren't necessarily any slip ups as much as you just saw it dangling. Yeah, of, I mean, it go uh,
2: away. you know, it was just not going to work. Yeah.
0: It's not going to work yeah you with the benefit of hindsight you now look at your fitness attention as sort of your diversion of yeah. of kind of addiction or ocd yeah. um did you look at it then is that same thing
2: yes yeah
0: you're like i need to find some sort of habit that keeps me preoccupied
2: i think so yeah. it was really good for me um mentally yeah. really a stress stress reliever it was an escape for an hour where i wouldn't think about racing and I also wanted to be a successful race car driver and most, almost no one was had a physical fitness routine. And I felt like it would give me uh, an advantage over the competition and I feel like it did because there wasn't hardly anybody doing it. Also, I feel like it also helped me survive some crashes that I might not have, my conditioning did, and there was one other thing. In 1982, one of those old fogey crew chiefs said he's too little to drive these cars. ha <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Zach Beach, you listening? Yeah, right. Yeah. And my, you know, I was gonna be strong. Yeah, it's gonna be. I might be little. <laughs> yeah, but I was gonna be strong. Right. Yeah, 61, 61 years old. I'm. Uh, doing sets of four reps of deadlifts at 240. So, yeah, I don't. I don't want to take you on. You know. Yeah, and you and, weigh, I, and you weigh
1: 125 pounds. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> weighing 125. So I, I've.
2: You can literally know, lift me. I That's was amazing. definitely not going, going to be weak. Yeah. I might be small, but I wasn't going to be weak. And uh,
1: good. If you had had a, because uh, obviously Valvoline was like a very long-term sponsor for you. If you had a beer sponsor, do you think that would have been really hard for you as a? Like, not necessarily
2: as an athlete, but as a professional spokesman? You know, there were there were alcohol things that kind of came and didn't come but might have, and there were talks, and, you know, I was forthcoming, look, I don't drink, you know. Uh, Crown Royal sponsored the IROC series, for example. Um, there were some sponsors in CUP that there were some discuss, discussions about alcohol was, you know discussion of me driving uh kurt's car when he left i think crown royal was there uh when he left russia so you know there were uh as long as everything's on the table it wouldn't be a problem but everything had to be on the table you know they had to know and and uh just like just like viagra you know it's <laughs> like you know i don't take your product and i'm not going to say i take it right okay right, right. i don't need it yeah right of course i was 40 yeah There's a difference God bless you There's There's a difference now (laughs) There are
1: moments where I wish fans could see What we just saw But the look on your face is like Well You know what
2: But anyway So so they had to know up front Look I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say Yeah Right That (laughs) I use it because I don't
0: Yeah Viagra's an easier story But like at a Crown Royal sponsor dinner And everybody else is drinking it Would you be able to avoid that?
2: Probably. Um, I haven't had any problem, but it certainly got easier. Um, that's a long time. You know, it's been a long time. The first five, six, you know, five or six years. Right. Yeah, I mean. Well, especially it, you're
0: not established, you want your sponsors to like you. At that time, you're not Mark Martin has won everything.
2: You know, uh, It. It got a lot easier, and it doesn't bother me at all now. Yeah, sure. I mean, at all. But there were times in the first five years was like, damn, why can't I just have, you know, a glass of wine or two like everybody else? Why can't I be normal, you know? But the people that have a problem should quit, and that's that's all. Yeah. The people that don't should drink socially like they if it doesn't want to. Yeah, right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And most people are that way. And— i see a lot of people let alcohol ruin their life or kill them right yeah you know yeah, i sure. even see some people drink themselves to death and um you know i just i i hate seeing that because you can you you can quit i mean you don't have to do it and if you've been doing it and you're in a serious uh if you're seriously down the road on it it's harder you know it's challenging, but it's not as challenging as the problems that it will create for you in your life if you don't face it. For those people that can, and most people don't understand because they don't have a problem, mm-hmm. and they just think, well, just, why just quit? Yeah, exactly. Well, why is it? You yeah. know, yeah. just don't do it. Yep. Well, it's a little different than that, you know. And like you said, you know, I mean, I, first thing I did was read a entire book about alcoholism and you know that was one of the things is like a, a child back then that yeah. book said a child of an alcoholic is six times more likely
0: mm-hmm. absolutely to be yeah. an alcoholic
2: yeah and that's a lot right and i don't know what today it, that number may may be different but that was way back then and uh so anyway that's that's my deal on on alcohol unfortunately i i just kind of smile and say i'm allergic <laughs> yeah, hey, want uh, I got yeah. I'm just allergic yeah. to this I, just, I don't act right when it's so much easier. I, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't act right when I when I mess with that stuff. Meow, meow.
4: To the world joy to the world this a message to the black little boys and girls and i ain't trying to exclude nobody else but i want to tell my kids that she let it so you gon' gonna feel some things ain't nobody else felt. you gon' gonna play with cards ain't nobody else dealt. you gon' gonna wonder why don't nobody else help i tell you the truth and give you the proof that's how we all feel and I ain't gonna lie, it's hard When they reminisce, show you my God, my God My God on my side With the weight of the world, keep your shoulders broad It's like this and like that and like this enough First they gonna tell you that you play too much Then they try to say that you act too tough Then they try to tell you you ain't black enough Look at the black boy Joy, look at the black girl magic End of the day, what you got, they can't have it End of the day, what you got, they can't have it End of the day, what you got they can't look at a black boy joy, look at a black girl magic. End of the day, what you got they can't happy. End of the day, what you got they can't in End of the day. Yeah, but you got the cane. It's been a while since I seen myself smile for real, Have regrets in my past only time could kill, I wish that I could heal all the pain I felt, and so I use my life as weaponry and aim myself as a positive shot and a darker light that we aim that would spark the mind and put change in your heart, design and refine to restart, I mean if iron sharpens iron I'm keeping it sharp and I am just an iron cause I'm knocking out wrinkles of thought, I thought showing the motion was soft, lo and behold the pillow was playing it off, I was Trying to be hard instead of trying to be like God Having joy is like magic when you're trying to beat the odds Like this and like that and like this and uh First they gon' tell you that you play too much Then they try to say that you act too up. Then they try to tell you you ain't black enough. Look at the black boy joy, look at the black girl magic. End of the day, what you got the can't have it? End of the day, what you got the can't have it? End of the day, what you got the can Look at the black boy joy, look at the black girl magic. End of the day, what you got the can't have it? End of the day, what you got the can't have it? End of the day, what you got the can It's look like it this and me. like that, like this and uh. First they gon' tell you that you play too much, then they try to say that you act too tough, then they try to tell you you ain't black and It's like this and like that and like this and up First they gon' tell you that you play too much, then they try to say that you act too tough, then they try to tell you you ain't black and It's like enough too much Like Is enough too much, too tough enough.